Hi, and welcome to Answers News for Monday, January 22nd, 2021. I'm Avery Foley. I'm here with Roger Patterson and Brian Osborne. Hey, guys. And I am totally impressed you didn't say 2020. We've already moved into 2021. Hey, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to, like, pause in my brain for half a second and be like, wait. Oh, yeah. but, but 2020 was such a year that I think I'm really happy to embrace that it's 2021. <laughs> so, yeah. So I've got a couple things to talk about here as people jump on. Uh, first thing uh, I want to mention is our is Answers Magazine. If you're not a subscriber to Answers Magazine, I encourage you to do so. It's a uh, family biblical worldview magazine. So really will help your entire family build a more biblical worldview. Looks at some of the stuff that's um, current happenings in science and culture through the lens of scripture. Has really fascinating articles on a host of different subjects. Um, the, the issue that's currently hitting mailboxes is about um, the new Fearfully Wonderfully Made exhibit. Yeah. Kind yep. of behind the scenes, looking at some of the interesting details uh, there. And one really cool thing is they just doubled the size of the kids' uh, magazine. So if Sorry. you're like me and you have young kids, that's awesome news. Yeah. My son, and I e hear is that excited. Some, I hear that some guy named Mr. P is going to have like a science experiment in every oh, issue. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so some Mr. P guy. Um, yeah, so Harry's that's tall. something fun to do with <laughs> with your kids. Um, but yeah, so be sure to check that out. Um, you can go to AnswersMagazine.org uh, to subscribe and um, get all the information about that. Um, the other thing we want to mention, as people are getting on, is um, Answers TV. Uh, another thing that you can subscribe to if you have not subscribed to Answers TV. Um, Shame on you first. Right? <laughs> you could be watching this show from Answers TV. Um, and so I encourage you to check that out. We have all of our live streams go up on there. Um, you can stream conferences. You can stream shows like Unlocking Science, which right. is an awesome show. Um, you, can shoo you can stream an even better show, which is called Shoes, Shoes Off. off. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Whose show is that? The, well, I might be in it. My husband and I might have written it and directed it and produced it and filmed it and everything. Yeah. Um, but that's for okay. little kids. A little bit different age bracket um, than uh, Roger's show, but it's for kids three to seven. So there's lots of great stuff on there. We're just waiting for Brian to come up with his own show idea. Come on, Brian. I just teach the Bible. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I, this was supposed to be your plug for building blocks. Well, you're in that show too. Well, yeah, but I was going to let you talk. There's a building block show as well that goes with our Answers Bible Curriculum Homeschool Edition, mm -hmm. which we're excited about. I made videos for the Sunday School edition of ABC curriculum. That's mm -hmm. on there as well. There really is so much available that's safe for the entire family. Your yes. kids can get them. They can roam around, look at different shows. They can watch uh, Singing by Buddy Davis or kids shows like Shoes Off or for Out the teens, about. Roger shows. I mean, we've got lectures for, lectures for the adults. There's so much on there. Uh, you will enjoy it. The family will enjoy it. And you can use it in a church setting, a small group setting. Mm -hmm. You're allowed that's to do so. That's one thing I love about it. There Absolutely. isn't like limits to how many people can view the video. So you can just Take it, show it to your church, show it to your small group, Bible study, which is awesome, homeschool yep. group. Um, so I encourage you to check that out, answers.tv. You can try a seven-day trial for free. All right, our next uh, item here is our fluff item. It's a little crazy. That <laughs> I'm not seeing this yet. I'm excited. holding a knife. <laughs> so <laughs> 2021 is getting off to a start yes. with the squirrel. And, and we can't fail to mention this is in Toronto, this Canada. This is in Canada. <laughs> so even the squirrels are crazy up there. It makes sense. It's in Canada. No. Yeah, why not? I guess I'm not really sure what the squirrel's plan was. I don't know if I want to know what the squirrel's plan was, but you can see there in the video, it legit has, has a knife, a knife-wielding squirrel. Now, you I have will. seen crabs do this oh, before. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some little videos of crabs who have grabbed a steak knife at a beachside restaurant or something, and he's walking around with a knife in his claw, and you're wondering whether he's, he's not going to be dinner. <laughs> <somebody>. <laughs> well, 
Well, now the squirrels are taking tips from the crabs, I guess. They're uh, wielding knives now. So Maybe, if you're in Toronto, beware. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> they're threatening the homeowner. The you will refill the bird feeder because I'm hungry. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and this is why I always take a rifle when I go squirrel hunting, not a knife. <laughs> Just in The quill, the uprising. It's a, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our first one here comes from Evolution News and Science Today. New proposal could deny accreditation to religious colleges based on science. Can we go back to the squirrel? Can we just <laughs> right, camp just there camp for a while? The <laughs> uh, so this is talking about a proposal from the Human Rights Campaign. Um, right now, the U.S. Department of Education has what's called the um, Higher Education Opportunity Act, which basically means that schools can't be re refused accreditation based on their religious beliefs. They need right. There needs to be freedom for schools to actually operate within their religious beliefs, which makes complete sense. Um, but this particular um, proposal is saying, no, we shouldn't do that. And it flips everything on its head <laughs> because the, the sure. language is that it's going to ensure non-discrimination policies and science-based curricula are not undermined by religious exemptions and accreditation standards. But that's the whole point of what they're right. trying to do is mm -hmm. to silence the viewpoints that they don't agree mm -hmm. with. That's and right. so now it's part of the human rights of everyone on the planet to uh, be indoctrinated by a certain view. And we've mm -hmm. got to withhold all of the dangerous views that mm -hmm. are contrary to science-based education. And who defines what that is? I mean, science is supposed to be, you know, discourse of ideas. You're, but if you're saying you can only teach this certain view, then how is that's anti-science, really? It doesn't allow for that. Um, and then they talk, of course, about schools that discriminate. Well, you can read into that what that means. It's definitely going to be about LGBTQ, you know, your school... Um, discriminates on the basis of that yeah. with their students and faculty. And the wording is interesting. They say the act should not require the accreditation of religious institutions that do not meet neutral accreditation mm. standards, including non-discrimination policies and scientific curriculum requirements. And by neutral, you mean? By neutral, they mean their view. Right. right. There, it's not neutral. There is no neutrality. They yeah. are enforcing. They're in a tyrannical way, in an oppressive way. They're forcing their views. You must adopt our views about sexuality, gender, origins, if you want mm -hmm. to be accredited. And to, to actually be a school, you must be accredited. Right. Yeah. So this is a lot of leverage mm -hmm. they have over these mm -hmm. schools to force their view. Mm -hmm. and, and ideas have consequences, too. What you believe about origins, what you believe about some of these different scientific questions has real-life consequences. Um, if you think about, for example, just, just as one example, um, embryonic stem cell research. If you believe that that um, is a human life that is being destroyed in that research, then that's going to be very different in how you do research than someone who just doesn't care about that and doesn't right. believe it's a person and ignores that. So the ideas have consequences. And when they try and squelch out certain ideas, well, that's going to have real life consequences. Um, and that's going to be reflected in different practices. Mm -hmm. And rather than having open debate and open dialogue about mm -hmm. these things and having uh, the academic rigor to examine all types of different views, what we've seen happening, especially on college campuses, mm -hmm. even ones that are uh, traditionally religious campuses, uh, places, think of a lot of the Catholic universities, they're shutting down this discourse. Mm -hmm. And you're only allowed to present things from the one side. Yeah. And if you're not, then you're not on the right side of history, this right. vague yeah. nebulous phrase, According which they to get them. to define however they want to. Yeah. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. just, I want to read this last paragraph in totality because it's so good. It's from the author who's coming from a Christian perspective and kind of in relation to what you just said. He said, finally, the proposal exhibits insecurity on their part, the secular part, rather than confidence. Confessional religious institutions are a small fraction of the total mm-hmm. colleges and universities in the United States. But apparently, protecting their diversity of thought is too dangerous to permit. It's almost as if those making the proposal fear they can't prevail in debates over science, scientific issues, even against a handful of institutions. Are their own arguments so weak, is his final mm-hmm. statement. And they truly are, because yeah. their own arguments are rooted in an anti-biblical, actually anti-science worldview based on secular philosophy. And so they must force their views to get them passed. This next one comes from New Scientist. Fossilized nests show some dinosaurs sat on their eggs like birds do. Um, so if right. I was writing this headline, I would rewrite this headline to say fossilized nest shows that um, what were likely birds sat on their eggs like birds do. You mean calling a bird a dinosaur doesn't make it a dinosaur? <laughs> not necessarily. If I call Roger a giraffe, is he not a giraffe? Just because I'm tall doesn't mean I'm a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> so this is talking about a fossilized oviraptor, which is likely a bird. Um, and it was found fossilized sitting on top of a clutch of eggs, um, which is the first time that's been found. They found clutches of eggs before. They found individuals sort of in relative proximity to nests, but they've never found one actually on top of a nest. So based on that, as well as an analysis of the eggs and what temperature the eggs were being incubated at, they believe this is actually a creature sitting on its nest, um, which is pretty neat because we don't find behavior preserved in the fossil record very often. So that's And and that's a way that we can definitely interpret this. Uh, As we think about other deposits of eggs that have been examined from dinosaurs and uh, other types of creatures, there are likely uh, other explanations for some of those Mm -hmm. as these animals were depositing their eggs under a stressful situation Mm -hmm. with the flood happening, Mm -hmm. the turmoil all around them. They deposit this uh, clutch of eggs and then they're trying to flee and save their own lives. And that type of behavior is not unreasonable and we see things like that in the animal world today. So sometimes these these interpretations are going to be pretty valid. And, and this one seems like it might be appropriate to say this was the creature that's uh, on top of here incubating these. We can look at the embryos using various CT technology and be able to it's scan really cool. inside of those, which <laughs> is really neat. cool. And that's good science. Yeah. 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 And look at the development yeah. of those embryos. Here's, here's an egg that has the embryo of the same creature that's on top of it fossilized. But how does that happen, Brian? Did, I mean, what, what are the processes that have to happen to get something like that frozen in time? Well, you'd have to bury something very quickly and mm-hmm. actually pretty deeply to protect, it, to protect it from being scavenged after it died, from decomposition, which requires a rapid process, which mm-hmm. essentially is how you have to make any fossil for the most part. It's got to be right, a rapid yeah. burial to make a fossil, which requires a pretty catastrophic situation. And, and again, mm-hmm. as Roger, you just said, we've got to be careful to tell the difference between interpretation and fact. And there's some probably good interpretations here, but ironically enough, even the name Oviraptor, well, it's kind of a false interpretation of the original evidence, yeah. right? Yes, because the yeah. name itself means egg thief. Yeah, because right? they thought this fossil that they found close to this nest was caught in the act of stealing the eggs. Right. But then as we were able to look inside the eggs and see them with different scanning technology, it was revealed they're probably the same species. And so this may have been the mother associated with the nest or the father associated with the nest and incubating those things. So you got to be real mm-hmm. careful with that separation of those two things, interpretation mm-hmm. effects. Yeah, but a really unique find that really just confirms the catastrophic nature of the flood, that these fossils were buried catastrophically. Um, so quickly, this 
bird was preserved sitting on its nest, which is uh, pretty Pretty neat. wild if you think about yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> All right, this next one comes from Discern. Report, killing of Christians increased 60% in 2020, wow. mostly due to Islamic violence in Nigeria. Uh, so this hasn't been widely reported on in the news. I think we, we've talked about it a couple times um, here on Answers News, but um, a lot of Christians have been slaughtered, particularly in Nigeria over the past year, um, as well as uh, previous years to that. And that, so in 2020, that number was up 60% from 2019 um, as uh, these uh, Islamic extremists in Nigeria are going into villages and, and killing Christians and burning their homes. And um, some yeah. pretty awful stuff is happening to yeah, our This is all sisters. being reported and uh, compiled by Open Doors USA. Mm -hmm. It's an organization that tries to examine these types of persecutions that are going on around the globe and catalog them and bring them to people's attention. And as we think about uh, some of the genocides that have happened over the decades mm -hmm. of recent memory, we can't help but look at what's happening in Nigeria right now and call this a religious genocide because it is, yeah. it is the Christian villagers and villages yeah. and communities that are being singled out and attacked. Uh, they're mm -hmm. not being supported by their government against these uh, Muslim mm -hmm. militias and others. We see the same types of things happening in India and in right. China. China. Uh, these religious cleansings are happening where they're trying mm -hmm. to uh, think, of, especially of China, with the Uyghur Muslims. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the state trying to uh, obliterate an mm -hmm. ethnic group and who have typically a Muslim religious background and to remove those things. So as we see those things mm -hmm. happening, even to people who aren't Christians, it's, it's religious persecution. And if they're going to do it to one group, they're going to do it to another. And we're always going to have this infighting back and forth between uh, different ethnicities and different religious groups. We right. see that in India and Pakistan a lot with uh, Christians and Hindus and those conflicts. Mm -hmm. Well, ideas have consequences and mm -hmm. bad ideas have victims. Right? Yeah. And we yeah. see that again and again. We see that in all culture, different ways. And you know, the fact that Christians are being persecuted really should not surprise any Christian. Oh, no, no, right? no. We are told from God's word numerous times that you'll be persecuted in this life. Mm. We should expect that. So this is an affirmation of the truth of God's word. We should expect this. And then we use this for God's glory. No matter what situation you're in, trust God. He'll use it for his glory and ultimately our good uh, if we trust him in this. And that's an amazing thing to kind of hold on to. Even if we endure persecution at multiple levels, I mean, these people are giving their life yeah, the ultimate sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But God will use it for his glory and their good for eternity. And we cling to that truth. Yeah, and let's, let's try to be people of prayer and remembering these mm -hmm. things that are happening. Yeah. Um, we're here in the United States. We're facing some of these increasing persecution. But it's pretty mild compared to what we see in these other places where there's loss of life. Both are still forms of persecution. Mm -hmm. So as we face these things, let's remember and be prayerful for those people who are facing much harsher realities. Absolutely, yeah. All right, this next one comes from New Scientist. Embryos set to be implanted in the last two northern white rhinos. So northern white rhinos are a subspecies of rhino um, related to the southern white rhinos. And there are only two female white rhinos in northern white rhinos in existence. The last male died a little while ago. Um, 2018, I believe, yeah. And yeah. So mm -hmm. all that's left is this mother and daughter. And so they're going to try and artificially inseminate one of the, or both of the... They're actually uh, doing uh, an implantation. So oh, they've, right. they've created the embryos in a dish. Mm -hmm. in, they have two viable embryos. Yeah, in vitro. They're going to implant those then into these two females 
with the hope of restoring the species. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, this is a pretty tenuous project uh, yes. just because the process of implantation, em embryo implantation is pretty risky. It's not a high success rate, especially in rhinos. Um, we use it in cattle and things like that as well. But and they only have two. Yeah, <laughs> two with only rows. two of these, <laughs> it's going to be very tricky. Now, they still have some of the male's uh, sperm set aside for doing these things in the future, but this is pretty small population anyway. And it's, it's got to cause us to stop and ask some questions about the amount mm -hmm. of resources mm -hmm. that we spend on this one subspecies of rhino. Now, rhinos are beautiful, amazing creatures that God's made. Don't, mm -hmm. don't hear me uh, saying they're not important, but this is one subspecies that's so similar to the other, they only differ by their range, basically. And is it worth, the question I'm asking, mm -hmm. is, it, is it worth to spend all of these resources Money, and time? time? Aren't they guarded 24 hours? Under 24-hour guard, mm -hmm. yeah. Which is and a have lot of been for a long right time. Mm -hmm. And I've got mm -hmm. another question, too. Those are all great questions we should really think about it away from a biblical perspective. Here's my other question. Well, in the evolutionary worldview, extinction kind of is the rule, natural selection, things die mm -hmm. out. These rhinos obviously can't survive on their own. They should be deleted. Why not let them die? And the but evolutionary humans, humans are a scourge on the animal world, and we're the ones who have <laughs> killed them off, and we're the problem. But isn't so. that still natural selection in action? Well, if we're part of nature, that would be... Yep. Yeah, so right. if you try to be consistent from that perspective, mm -hmm. you run into all kinds of roadblocks. And by the way, the fact that these people do care, it's right they care. They should care, sure. right, to a certain level. But the fact they mm -hmm. do care is a very biblical value. The Bible tells mm -hmm. us to care for creation, to be good stewards of what God has given us. So it makes sense in a biblical worldview to do all we can within reason to care for creation. Mm -hmm. So they're actually borrowing kind of biblical values when they do this. If, you know. Yeah, Roger brought up a good point about like how much resources we divert to saving one particular species. You know, could we divert those resources to maybe saving the southern um, white rhinos where there's a population of 20,000, a much you know, bigger population to work with? Uh, there's a lot of different questions because uh, obviously as Christians, we want to care for creation. Absolutely. We, we have mm -hmm. the right foundation to care for creation. We, have, we should, if we start with God's word, have the right perspective regarding humans being made in the image of God. God and being given dominion over creation. So we have to talk through some of these and work through these different issues. Um, a really great place to start is with the book, A Different Shade of Green by um, Dr. Gordon Wilson, which mm. we sell in our online bookstore. Excellent book, looking at environmentalism through the lens of scripture and the dominion mandate and how do we care for creation. It gives some good big picture principles. Um, we also had an issue of Answers Magazine, just to plug Answers Magazine again, um, Creation Care, which even had an, um, yeah. an article that talked about yeah extinct going, species that are going extinct and how much we should go to saving those species. Excellent article to check out. So I encourage you to look at that issue. By the um, way, real magazine. quick, this was in Kenya, correct? I believe so. Yes. I believe it was Kenya. By the way, I've been to Kenya. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta bring hey, that in. Hey to my friends over in Kenya. But the, uh, here's my question. So over in Kenya, all the people there are in good situations with good housing. They got plenty of food. Not so much. I don't Not think so. so. And that, yeah. that's what's prompting me to ask these questions. Are mm -hmm. we, is this the best way? And, and I know some, we could argue from different perspectives, but I'm, I'm saying let's have the conversation and let's think through these things. Mm -hmm. yep. Is preserving this one subspecies and its biodiversity really worth all of those things uh, that are going to be lost, the resources that are put there that could have gone toward human flourishing and helping those people in those situations? 
Mm-hmm. It's, yep. it's really the, the balancing um, in a biblical worldview. We don't, we don't want to go too far one way. We don't want to go too far the other way. We have to have that lens of scripture to keep us grounded um, and to help us have a proper perspective of human life and a proper perspective of, of dominion, for sure. This next one, um, also talking kind of about the environment, um, new scientists, lush meadows of underwater seagrass are removing plastic from the sea. So when I first saw this headline, I was like, that's super cool. This seagrass must be like absorbing the plastic or something. Integrating it into its leaves. Yeah, I was like, what? How? And then I read through the article and it turns out it's not quite what the headline said. I mean, technically the headline is accurate, but what's really happening is the seagrass naturally um, sheds its leaves and creates these like balls that tend to trap. Yeah, they roll around in the in the waves and they wad up into little balls. And, and they tend yeah. to trap plastic particles inside. And then when there's a storm, they get tossed up onto the beach. That's how it's ridding the ocean of plastic. The ocean is throwing our trash back at us. It's That's throwing it the is. trash back at us. Now, Brian, this is in the Mediterranean Sea. Have you ever been to the Mediterranean yeah, Sea? Yeah, I have not been, been to the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, look at that. I got it. I finally got it. But this is a very interesting uh, phenomenon. As we think about yeah. what's happening with plastics entering the waterways mm-hmm. and things not that should thing. concern us as Christians. <laughs> yes. We should say, ooh, this is a bad thing. We're not, not caring for the planet. We're not being <laughs> good right. stewards of those things. Mm-hmm. And we should be looking for ways to limit that type of plastic waste and uh, storing it securely where it's not going to get into these waterways and situations. We should be wise about those things. We mm-hmm. shouldn't be flipping about these. And, and Thinking about it from a neighborly perspective, if I'm throwing my trash all over and it's blowing around the neighborhood, yep. then it's landing in my neighbor's yard and they have to deal with those consequences. So there are right, lots yeah. of ways we could look at this and give a biblical perspective mm-hmm. on the, the litter and the trash being a bad thing. We don't want to pollute the environment like that. But this is kind of an interesting way where God's creation could kind of be protecting itself from right. that abuse that, that humans mm. are putting through that, that excessive pollution and spitting that stuff back at us and a way that we could actually uh, take some of that back, collect that when it comes what? back on the right. land and, and dispose <laughs> yeah. of those types of things properly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought that just was really interesting. I was like, the headline really caught my attention. And I was like, oh, well, this is oh, well, interesting. <laughs> All right. So this next one, Roger said he wanted to talk about for the entire episode, but <laughs> you only have about nine minutes. So we put it so, to the end. You're welcome. Well, just, right. just the image itself. <laughs> I, was, I was just mesmerized by the image there. The image totally, totally charmed by that image. <laughs> you were charmed by the image. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> CRISPR gene editing urgently needs an off switch. Now we have one. So we've okay. talked multiple times on the show about CRISPR, uh, basically like molecular scissors that can go in and clip out parts of the genome and put um, uh, different letters in. And it has some potential for some harm, which we've talked about as well. Like, is it just making changes to the one part they wanted it to make changes to? Or is it making changes to other parts of the genome? How do you control it? Things like that. And now researchers are saying, well, maybe we can use viruses to control CRISPR. So, Roger, talk away. Now, this is this is a very interesting concept because when Avery, we... Avery, you want to go out and just relax for a little bit? We'll get a coffee. We'll be right back. Oh, you guys can hang out with me. So if we think about uh, what an enzyme does, it's it acts as a, a biological catalyst. So these enzymes are going in, they're performing a function, they're coming out, and now they're able to do that function again over and over and over and over. So as Avery mentioned, if I if we insert these things into a living organism and that does its function in the liver cells, okay? Let's say we have some type of protein disorder in the liver and we're gonna go in and change that. We're gonna edit the genes in those cells 
and we're going to send in the corrected copy that uh, will correct the mutation, and it does its job there. Okay? Now, that same DNA segment is in every other cell in your body. Mm -hmm. So now if it gets carried through the bloodstream to your brain or your heart, then it can be doing those same types of uh, replacements in those areas. And what effects is that going to have? Right. And what about a similar spot that has a similar sequence and it binds into that spot and causes those problems? So these are the questions that mm -hmm. um, these bioethicists have been asking about the use of these uh, tools in organisms, especially humans. Should we be doing this? And there have been some successful things. There was a, a blind man who had a had that mutation corrected in his eyes recently, mm -hmm. and that was a beneficial uh, outcome of this, ways mm -hmm. that we're actually reversing the effects of the curse and restoring some thing. of those things. Mm -hmm. But how do we stop it? If it keeps going through the body, we need this right. off switch. Mm -hmm. And we don't know long-term effects uh, mm -hmm. and, and the whole system is so intricate. We talk about DNA, the genome. We, we, we just we, we, we hardly know, know anything. We know okay. next to nothing really yeah. about how complicated it truly is. And we're learning more all the time, but we still know next to nothing. And so try, messing with what we don't fully understand can be very dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got to be very careful. Yes, we need to fight back against the, the results mm -hmm. of the fall and the curse. If we can't, that technology. is good to do. That could be awesome, but we've got to be so careful. Caution, yeah. yeah. So oh. this is actually found naturally in bacteria, right. and that's mm -hmm. how we've identified it. And the enemy of bacteria are viruses that we call mm -hmm. phages. And these things are in this, uh, from the evolutionary perspectives presented here, they're in this evolutionary arms race of right. trying to take one over. Yeah. So the bacteria has a mutation that helps it block the virus. And so then the virus gains a mutation that helps it fight back against the blocked section of the, of the bacterial DNA. And they're going back and forth in all of these yeah. things. And that switch has actually been found in that natural occurrence. And there was an interesting line in here that said, nature has already given us this, nature has already designed the switch for us. I was about to interrupt you and read it. Okay, read it. <laughs> you said it. Let's so, get the quote. Well, it literally says, nature has already designed an anti-CRISPR. Okay, right? so it's got this shutoff switch already designed for so us. So nature has a mind, it makes plans, it does designs, it creates. nature. I think it was probably God who did that in the I first place. I think so. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so these are all part of God's biomatrix. Uh, we think about how bacteria have so many beneficial functions and viruses actually have beneficial functions. And viruses can help keep the bacterial populations under control. This is all part of God's intricate design for his creation. And so if we can use some of those things mm -hmm. to bring to bring benefit to humanity, let's do that. But let's do it so carefully and so cautiously, especially because we're going to be doing this on individuals who are created in the image of mm -hmm. God. That's right. And yeah. let's not abuse those things. Let's don't start playing God mm -hmm. to try and create the type of humanity that we want. Yes, but which is another fear a lot of people yeah, have. Let's try to bring bring some relief to people who are suffering from dreadful diseases mm -hmm. that are a result of sin entering in the world through Adam. And we have to keep a biblical worldview in mind, even as we try and bring relief to those diseases, because a lot of the experiments with CRISPR have been done on embryos. And that's destroying the life of a human who's made in the image of God and saying that, that we'll sacrifice these lives to maybe make some scientific advancements that might help these people. That's not the right way of going about it. We need to protect all human life, recognizing human lives are made in the image of God and have infinite value. And you could um, affect multiple generations mm -hmm. with this as you muck around with the DNA that's passed down from one generation to the yeah, next. So I mean, there's some big consequences if we're not careful. And I just want to give just two more quotes from the paper that just showed the inherent inconsistency of the evolutionary worldview. Towards the end of the article, they said this, the defense mechanism that bacteria have evolved in response to the viruses that infect them is ingenious. 
but again, they don't create. They Random don't think. chance. Random chance right. is ingenious. Happenings are ingenious. <laughs> and then one last one. So close. So, it probably took thousands of years of uh, probably thousands of years for bacteria to evolve CRISPR. It requires huge genetic innovation. But wait. What creates brand new genetic information? Oh, that. Right. There's, there's that's no never been observed. We've, we've observed for that. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like what Romans one says about how it's obvious from creation that God has made everything. Almost so, like that's true. <laughs> as you think about this, like the application of what we observe, that's good operational science, but the origin of these things we're using from the secular perspective, that's historical science rooted in a false worldview. Yeah. Mm. And these are great opportunities to start conversations that's that right. can point out some of those flaws and ultimately mm -hmm. point people to not hope in science, not hope in mm -hmm. innovation and technology, but right. to hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's ultimately where our hope should lie. Uh, all right, this next one comes from Fox News. NASA finds there are fewer galaxies than first thought, leaving the possibility we're alone in the universe. That's what? a bit of a dramatic title. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, here's the observational science. There might be less galaxies. Therefore, we have to tie it into well, aliens. Because as you said earlier, when we were talking about this, no one would read the article otherwise. Right. Like you need a dramatic <laughs> title like, like that to, to get uh, your attention. So this is talking about um, the New Horizons mission, which was, you may remember a couple years ago, that was the mission that took those highly detailed pictures of Pluto that everyone saw with like the heart and stuff. Um, so it's continuing <laughs> on past Pluto now. Now it's four billion miles away from Earth at this point. Can we just stop um, for a second? Four. That is really cool. That's that is. It's an amazing thing. It incredible. really is neat to take time to enjoy that. Um, so, and now based on what they can see um, with this um, New Horizons um, um, technology, they believe that they've actually estimated the number of galaxies wrongly, and maybe there's only um, a few hundred billion. A, I think yeah, a few hundred, a few hundred billion. billion instead of two trillion. So taking the Hubble deep field images and others, they've basically extrapolated that data and said, all right, if we can see this much light, then there must be other stars and other galaxies, even though we can't see half of the light that we think is there. And they calculated these numbers to be in the trillions of galaxies. And mm -hmm. each, star, each galaxy has trillions of stars in it. So A lot of stars. <laughs> the Drake equation was the equation that the evolutionary view comes up with to say, all right, if we take the, the chance of evolution happening and the number of planets and the number of inhabitable planets That's and right. we, we do this calculation, we can calculate the number of, or the likelihood of life right. on other planets. But if we bring that number down from trillions to a few hundred billion, then, then that calculation goes down. Right. Yeah. But and my then, biggest oh, problem with that calculation in the first place is that if any one of those values is zero, what's zero times anything? That's right. Zero. zero. Yeah. And the chance of life evolving is zero because God is the one who's the creator of those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So you have to have an evolutionary worldview to yes. even consider that calculation a reasonable uh, way to look at the universe. Which is self-affirming. Sure. Mm -hmm. Secular. Yep. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is sad for the secularists. They think no more aliens. We know from biblical worldview probably not out there to begin with anyway, right? But this makes sense in a biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, uh, but we hope you'll join us again for our next episode. See you guys. See ya.